Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to Talking Taker, episode 154 of our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. My name is Alex Dorio, and I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. And I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy. He is the chairman of the Talking Taker podcast, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, he's doing his Laparca dance across the screen from me. We are here. I wish we were talking about Laparca. I wish he had faced the Undertaker. But we are talking Total instead. LaParca. <laughs> that's what it stands for no we are talking tlc tables ladders and chairs 2009 oh the my. first ever chairs match between the undertaker and batista and travis i just have to say in the immortal words of the great sammy hagar it's time to catch this magic moment do it right here and now it means everything absolutely it does Oh, Sammy Hagar. The great Sammy Hagar. The the great Sammy Hagar. Oh, man, that guy. I didn't think we'd talk about him on this show, but there's a reason that we're talking about him, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. Uh, Are you more Van Hagar or Van Halen? I like Van Halen, not Van Hagar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a Joe Nerf fan, so I'm absolutely Van Halen. (laughs) Jump. Go ahead and jump. Might as well jump. I think Van Hagar's got a couple good tunes, though. That's, yeah. They both suck to me, honestly, at the end of the day. I can skip their entire they catalog. They suck. It'll be fine. You oh, can't say they suck. No. I can. I'm walking to the They're not your favorite. You don't think they uh, suck. I do. No. That's outrageous. Absolutely. Absolutely. Extremely talented. I can skip all of the 80s. So. That's, that's also outrageous. 1980 to 89, you can skip Bruce that whole decade of music for me. Guns N' Roses. I like Bruce Springsteen. I like you too. But they also fled in the 90s. And Springsteen's late 70s, right? I mean, yeah. But he made music yeah, yeah, in the good. 80s. I mean, the general the general theme of the 80s was mm. trash for me. Mm. So. Well, anyway, that's, that's a different podcast we'll have to you argue know what about. I could take it some TLC in the 90s. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hard pass. Give me a little T-Boz, left eye, <laughs> So, uh, speaking well, of left eye, I think Greg Sierra lost, lost his this past weekend. <laughs> oh my god, I, I don't even know what to say, man. Good thing Taker wasn't on that show. We'll have to cover that show. <laughs> that was the horror show, and hopefully this will be slightly better here. Like we said, we're digging into the first ever chairs match at the first ever TLC pay-per-view here. So enough music talk, enough talking about modern day I don't even want to call it wrestling. I don't even know what it is anymore that, that, that's on there these days. But uh, we're going to take this time traveling hearse back to 2009, back to November 23rd, 2009, is where we're going to start things here. We're going to pick up the night after Survivor Series 2009, uh, another first ever as we got a triple threat match on pay-per-view between the big show Chris Jericho and The Undertaker for the first time ever. And, of course, our man The Undertaker 
won that one, successfully defended his World Heavyweight Championship. So he's going to be looking for a new opponent here at TLC. And he's going to get called out on this episode of SmackDown, or episode of Raw, excuse me. Uh, It's a special three-hour Thanksgiving episode of Raw. You got all the different brands there on this special edition. So we're going to hear... Uh, you just mentioned him, Rey Mysterio. His music is going to play, but his rival at this time, Batista, is going to come out instead in a great heel move. And you know, he, I the, loved it. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect, man. He's so good here. He comes out as the announcers are talking about the beatdown he gave Rey Mysterio the night before at Survivor Series. And Batista says Rey's going to be spending the night in the hospital tonight. Uh, spending Thanksgiving in a hospital bed. He gave him the beat down, and um, he's going to put everyone on notice here tonight because there's going to be a big breakthrough battle royal in the main event of this episode of Raw where the winner gets a title shot of their choosing for either Raw or SmackDown, or I guess they could choose ECW if they wanted. Um, why was that not at Survivor Series? Or why is that not what the sur- Survivor of the Survivor Series got? Like, why? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, Sorry, go ahead. Would have made a lot more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Would have been something different. But yeah. uh, no, instead, uh, he says, uh, if someone from SmackDown wins this Battle Royal tonight, he's going to hit the ring and take them out because he is going after Undertaker and the world title. The Undertaker is mine. The world heavyweight title is mine. That's right, I said it. And no one alive is going to stop me. So fast! SmackDown's big red monster! Kane! He comes out and interrupts Batista. It says, If uh, I disrespected you, if I embarrassed you, if that's the case, why don't you make an example out of me, Dave? And Batista just stares Kane down and kind of smiles a little bit and backs out of the ring like a heel. You know, he's not going to fight him. He's just going to kind of back away from him here. Kane hits his pyro, and that's basically teasing to SmackDown later on this week where these two guys Mm -hmm. are going to face off for a number one contendership here. Uh, And that does it for our storyline, but I just want to mention a couple things about this episode of Raw because I remember it quite vividly. Uh, This is the one where the guest host is Jesse Ventura uh, making his return to the WWE, and it's actually great. He does commentary with Vince McMahon in that breakthrough battle royal, and Vince comes out with his uh, tux, with his red bow tie Mm -hmm. on, so they're reunited for the first time in 20 years. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing that. It was fun. And um, unfortunately, that's that's the fun part of that, the horrible part is the winner of that breakthrough battle royal is Sheamus and that may not sound so weird here in 2020 but man if you were not watching in 2009 that was kind of like a jaw-dropping moment because Mm -hmm. Sheamus was nothing at this point Mm -hmm. in time he had just come over from ECW where he'd only been for a few months he'd just been on Raw for like a month or two but they strap the rocket to him here, and he goes on in just a few weeks to win the WWE Championship from Cena at this TLC pay-per-view that we're going to be talking about in just a really terrible finish. He just Cena basically slips on a banana peel and falls through a table, mm-hmm. and uh, Sheamus wins the world title here. And, man, I just remember... 
legitimately this being like a turning point for me in my wrestling fandom just like thinking this was such a joke i could not take this pale beaker looking dude <laughs> seriously like, i think i know he's jacked i know he could probably beat me up but his hair his facial hair his pasty pale skin that looks like me um i just could not take this guy as a serious threat i could not believe he was getting pushed and they just shoved him shoved the world title on him over so many yeah. deserving people i mean how did you feel well i, I had this later on in my notes with the actual survivor series or tlc pay-per-view but this is a perfect time to talk about it because there's there's you know saying in the business that you know either the man makes a title or the title makes the man well Ric Flair as the man made the world title mean something. You know, Hulk Hogan as the man made the world title. Steve Austin made that world title. The Rock, you know, those guys made the title. That title didn't make them. They were already stars, and then that made them. Or excuse me, they made that title mean something. This is an instance of booking where you're trying to make the title make the man. You know, and it happens from time to time. And sometimes it's you know there's a right and a wrong way to do it. You know, but this is. The horribly wrong way to do it man like you just thrust this guy out of nowhere like with taker he was on the roster for what a year before he won it you know right he had an aura about him he had a presence he had a character he had people were scared of him like he had a legitimate threat he was almost undefeated up to that point like he had something going like that title maybe that was put on him to make him too but like he had the he could make that title mean something too Sheamus was just Dude, I was pulling it out of a hat or something. They're like, like, oh, who's going to win this? Huh? This new guy, Sheamus. And, uh, man, I've, got, I've gone on to respect him now. I do respect his work. He's stiff as heck. I still don't really like his look or his, I don't know, some of his some of the stuff he does. But, like, I really do respect his work ethic now and kind of stuff he can do in the ring. But, man, back then, yeah, this was yuck city, dude. Like, I hated Hated this. So, I hated Raw at this point, man. It was awful. Uh, me too. He's so and this green. Made me hate it so bad. Yes, yes. All the guest host crap, and then this. I just remember being so disenchanted with wrestling yeah. at this point in time. Um, it was very. This whole deal with Sheamus is very, very similar to what they did with Jinder Mahal a few years ago, in my opinion. Um, I mean, even Jinder Mahal, I would say he'd been around at least a little bit more, but he was sure. just. A, I mean, he was just a jobber that. All of a sudden, a few weeks later, they, they thrust the world title on him, and you just can't take it seriously, man. Um, I'm glad that you brought the Undertaker into of it. The title trying to mm-hmm. make the man. You know, they yes. tried to make gender by giving him a title. It shouldn't be that way. It should be the other way around. Yeah. But yeah, I tried to bring Taker into it. That, that's, I mean, he he's reminiscent of this, but he had, but not really. He though, was you know? over. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he had something to him. And, uh, well, well, we'll leave Seamus alone and we'll move off of Raw, but, uh, I did want to mention before we move over to SmackDown for the rest of the show that I also vividly remember the next week on Raw because uh, I moved into my new house in Augusta the next week. And you know, we talked oh, about it at the time. You you were in Tennessee, married at this point. Uh, you'd left all us behind. Uh, but we had the, the rest of our crew there <laughs> in Augusta. And we still got together and watched Raw every week. We, you know, we continued to do it till I moved away in uh, 2014. So we kept it going for the next five years. Just had a rotating crew and um, had a great time with everybody. But uh, we used to get together at my parents' house. Uh, now I had my own house. And I was so pumped. This is going to be the first Monday Night Raw in my new house with the big screen. Uh, it was going to be perfect. And they announced who the guest host was going to be for this 
first Raw in my new house. We went from Jesse Ventura to Vern Troyer, Mini-Me from the Austin Powers movies. I could not have been more disappointed, man. (laughs) That's like 10 years removed from him being popular, too. You know? It's like he wasn't even relevant at this point. Like, was there an Austin Powers like not even redo close. at this point? No. Uh, I'd rather have yeah. Joe C, man. <clears throat> no, he might have been dead by this point, was he? <laughs> I'd still rather know. have a, a dead Joe C <laughs> than a live mini me. <laughs> oh, man. They had some lame guest hosts, especially you go back and watch it. It's just like cringeworthy, man. Oh, yeah. Bob Barker is the best one. And uh, Jack. Oh, Jack was great. Um, for so. every Bob Barker, there was 20 other terrible ones. Vern Sawyer's, yeah. Yeah, maybe, Ricky maybe five in the two or three years they did guest hosts that were yeah. entertaining at all. But please, take yeah. us away from this, man. Take us to yeah, something better. That's gonna take us down, uh, chasing waterfalls here down to SmackDown, November 27th, the night after Thanksgiving. So we're all... Uh, you know, Black Friday, I guess it was here, you know. Uh, everybody's gone and got their sweet HD uh, TV at this point. You know, their sweet, uh, was the Xbox One out at this point? I don't even know. It's 2009. I was out of touch. I think it was a 360 anyway, still. Um, you got some sweet deals. And they, maybe 360, yeah. yeah. Got back home and they're ready to settle down, snuggle in with their, you know, Thanksgiving goodies and eat some leftovers and watch a little little SmackDown. The little show's mm. going to open with their highlights from survivor series where taker you know taps out show to the hell's gate and then we see a graphic for batista versus canaanite and the winner is apparently going to be the number one contender for taker so there you go that came out of nowhere but it is what it is so jericho comes out to open the show up and he's got his tag titles with him and as you mentioned in your notes here he's dug up vince's world of the day calendar he's using all kinds of stuff and now while all of you mucilaginous troglodytes attempt to digest your massive Thanksgiving dinners and try and recover from your tryptophan hangovers. I didn't write them all down here, but he's, you know, using troglodyte and sycophant and, <laughs> you know, just stuff like that. Just stuff that Jericho could get so away ridiculous. with at this point, you know? Yeah. yeah. Jericho is, he's, he's so good because he can make stuff, stupid stuff work. So, but anyway... He hypes uh, Jericho versus DX match at uh, TLC for the tag titles, which will go on to be the main event, you know, strangely enough. But uh, tag titles haven't been relevant in six months in nope. none of the main event of, <laughs> of TLC. In the, you know, almost ending the year, or actually, yeah, the last pay-per-view of the year, going out with that match on last. But anyway, he talks about his accolades, and then he turns his talk to Teddy Long. He's demanding that Teddy put him, uh, make things right and put him as number one contender. He's like, you know, no one deserves to be in that spot rather than me. You know, I, you know, give me what I want. And uh, Teddy Long comes out and says he's going to give Chris Jericho what he wants. And so Jericho's like, oh, sweet. You know, uh, I thinks he's going to be in the number one contenders match, you know, a triple threat. But Teddy's like, instead. No, Chris, not at all. You see, tonight in a non title match, you're going to go one on one. With the world heavyweight champion, The Undertaker! That's what Teddy thinks everybody wants. He wants exactly. more Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, and that's, it'll be a non title match, though. So, he's getting a match with Taker, but not for the title. So, not really what he wants. Well, Batista versus Kane, number one contenders match, is the main event, I believe, here. And 
Batista doesn't even do his pyro stick. I just wrote that. He's coming out. He's, you know, he's a heel now. He's not doing that pyro, uh, which I like. I like that change to his character. Um, he's still getting a lot of cheers from the ladies in the audience, especially when he takes the shirt off and stuff anytime. His ladies love the big Dave. So. Can't blame him, man. Yeah, but he's going to do <laughs> Exactly. He's going to do <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> his darndest here to get over as a heel, so. He actually shows some good psychology here in this match, working over Kane's leg, and they wind up going to the timekeeper's barricade over there, and uh, Batista hits him with a chair in the leg and slides in before the 10 count to be number one contender. So, uh, winner win by count out, but I really, really liked that heel psychology there in that spot. It was really, really cool, you know? It was creative It was very finish. old school to me. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. And, um, oh, I'm sorry, that was not the main event, because later on, the main event is Jericho and Taker. I apologize. That's earlier in the show. I forget. So you. Jericho, yeah, it's okay. A thousand apologies. <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> Jericho comes out, and then Taker gets his full entrance and comes out last. And then um, uh, Grisham asks Batista what he thinks, you know, about this because Batista is on is on commentary here. He comes down, sits with his headset on, and just doesn't say a word. He just Grisham's like, "So, what are your thoughts about you know facing the Undertaker?" Just kind of stares. And uh, Matt Stryker has the possibly line of the year. He's like, Silence speaks as loud as war. Great Sammy Hagar once said that. Sammy Hagar's great. Silence speaks as loud as war. The great Sammy Hagar once said that. And that's golden. But then Tool Grisham is going to look at him and go, Sammy Hagar's great? <laughs> I just... I love it, man. He just totally redeemed himself. Totally Tool, took away his toolishness. Yeah. Tool Grisham has the line of the year, not yeah. Matt Stryker. <laughs> yes. Matt Stryker had the line of the year, and then Tool Grisham one-upped him immediately in the next breath. So just, I love that. He's just, Sammy Hagar is great. <laughs> I, think, I think we have to give Tool Grisham his name back. For that, Todd, for that moment. Yeah. I think he can be Todd Grisham, uh, at least for the rest All of this right. episode, till he says something else stupid. But I, I well, think he we'll get... has earned it, at least for tonight. Yeah. We'll be giving Stryker tool Stryker by the end of the night. So. <laughs> Dude, that that line sums up Matt Stryker, too. Just like <laughs> yeah, the hyperbole true. and the ridiculousness yeah. and the non sequiturness of it. <laughs> the great Sammy Hagar. Wants... That's not even like a memorable line Thing. i yeah. had to look yeah. up what song that's from <laughs> oh i don't know what it's from yeah it's from no uh when love walks in by van halen uh which i know that song but i do not know that line he just pulled it out out of nowhere <laughs> it's yeah, so it's... it's too much man oh yeah way too much way trying too hard yes. so but um man yeah again grisham with the awesome you know, pulling his punk card, in my opinion, pulling he did. his punk card on air. <laughs> he did. So, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> throughout the match, we see Batista looking at Taker and never really answering any questions or giving insight. And Taker's looking at Batista as he's working over Jericho. And at one point, they uh, Batista gets up from the seat and gets in Taker's face, and Taker gets in his face, and Batista just kind of smirks and sits down again. So he's really playing that cool, you know, heel. And uh, Jericho. Winds up losing, uh, or excuse me, he winds up going back in the ring and Taker gets a choke slam on it and does the throat slice like he's going to go for a tombstone. And now Batista is going to act. He's going to slide in the ring, attack Undertaker, hit his leg, and cause a DQ. So, um, two DQs on this episode. 
uh, or DQ and a count out in the main event matches, mm. basically. So that's yeah. going to be a theme going through these episodes of SmackDown. But after this, Jericho hits a code breaker, and then Batista is going to grab a chair from the ringside and starts beating Taker down with it over and over and over again. So um, we see a replay as Batista poses over Taker, and then um, he continues to beat him and beat him, which I don't think they'd announced it was a chairs match yet, but like we're getting the point, not so subtly, that it's going to be a chairs match because he's really doing it. But I will say this. I really liked, like we mentioned last week, with uh, Jericho and Big Show getting heel heat at the end of the night. Like It's really – it's not hard booking, and it's – it works. It always works. So um, I really dug that, you know. Absolutely. Making Batista look strong here, making him look like a threat. And, of course, we know Batista yeah. and Undertaker's history. He's a guy that's sure. been an equal with the Undertaker many times. So you can definitely see him uh, as, as a legit threat to take mm-hmm. his world title at this time. So uh, – and – this starts the tradition, I think, with TLC every year where all of a sudden people start using chairs and tables and ladders just out of nowhere. Yeah. It just so happens to be that's the time of the month. So well, that means we're going to make a match out of yeah. it. Perfect timing. Remember the first TLC match when it like made sense to do that? Because like, yeah. the Hardys used ladders. The Dudleys used tables. The Edge and Christian used chairs. Where they can chair to, like, it was just it was organic. It, it all, all came fit together. together and it was like... And it they never has those. ever since then. <laughs> no. Yeah. So. Well, that whatever. takes us to the next week on SmackDown, December 4th, 2009. And we learn that The Undertaker is going to be, he's planning on calling out Batista later in the mm. night. So it's giving him a heads up that he's going to call him out here later tonight. Um, we get a recap of all the things that happened with Batista and Taker last week. And, and then we see Batista backstage. He's complaining with Teddy Long uh, about the fact that he's got to face Rey Mysterio again next week on SmackDown. He's saying, why does this guy deserve to be in the ring with me? I've already proved that I'm better than him. Uh, and Teddy tells Batista that Rey has requested to take on Batista in a street fight next week. And Batista says... No eye for an eye match? No eye for an eye, yeah. They hadn't come up with that genius. They didn't have 40 riders come up with that yet. (laughs) I think one rider came up with that. Okay. (laughs) Pal. (laughs) Anyway. Well, Batista says, that's all well and good as long as I still have my hold harmless agreement still intact, which I don't even know what he's referring to. I missed that, but... It's probably the lockbox, man. I'm probably so. <laughs> but uh, Batista says, um, he goes on to complain about The Undertaker calling him out later tonight. He says to Teddy, why are you letting this happen? And Teddy says, Come on, you can't let this happen. After what you did last week to The Undertaker, my hands are tied, player. I, I cannot contain <laughs> The Undertaker anymore. <laughs> like, I got no control over the show, man. Come he's on. <laughs> been kidnapped by him and held hostage for a week. He's, he's staying out of Undertaker's business from now on. So uh, The Undertaker does indeed come out at the end of the show to call out Batista. And this was really unique. I don't think yeah. we've seen this in 20 years of covering The Undertaker. Because The Undertaker is... Doing his full entrance here. Got the gong, got the lightning, you got the smoke. He's coming out to his music. And it's always such a special occasion, such a special appearance. It's sort of sacred as the Undertaker makes yeah. his entrance. 
all of a sudden, Undertaker's in the middle of the ramp, and Batista comes out of nowhere and ambushes Undertaker. Hits him in the back with a chair, just destroys him with the chair, drives this chair down into Undertaker's neck, just choking him with it. And correct me if I'm wrong, do you remember ever seeing anybody attack the Undertaker in the middle of his entrance? Not at all. Not like this at all. If anything you possibly get close, it would be him and Austin, like... As he's coming down, Austin is jumping him in the like starting the match in the alley, but not like this. And the, the entrance wasn't quite as epic back then. No. Either, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but that even that wasn't from behind. It didn't ruin the entrance. He basically made it all the way to the ring, you know, when Austin would would get him. So, but that's about it. But yeah, none, no one has ever blindsided him that I can recall or you can recall in 20 years, you know, of of, of his entrance. So it's crazy. And it fits for Batista, in my opinion, too. Like, yeah. we talked, they had the, the Fatal 4-Way a few weeks ago with Batista Mysterio and Punk. And we talked about how when Undertaker made his entrance in that match, Punk and Mysterio mm-hmm. dipped out of the ring. Batista's mm-hmm. the one guy in there that stood his ground. And he stood mm-hmm. there in the ring as Undertaker's making his entrance. He's not afraid of Undertaker. He's beating right. him. He sees himself as an equal with him. So it yep. fits his character that he'd be bold enough and brave enough to do this. So... He gives Undertaker a beating, gives him a spine buster across this chair, again, cementing this chairs match into people's brains here. And I think Stryker actually officially mentions that their TLC match is going to be a chairs match. Um, I don't know. Maybe they announced that on .com or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I man. missed it during the show, but <clears throat> apparently it's official now. Uh, and then Batista... Uh, takes the world title off Undertaker, holds it up above him, screams out, I'm the man, and gives Undertaker some stomps. Taker is really selling, like convulsing on the ground. And I, this was very effective. I yeah. did not see it coming. I wasn't really nope. paying much attention to SmackDown during this time, so I hadn't seen this before. It caught me off guard. It was so unique, and it's it's hard to do unique things with The Undertaker after 20 mm-hmm. years. You know, you can still do a lot of things well, reusing a lot of the same thing. We see a lot of the same angles and storylines with him, so this was really effective and, again, continues to put Batista over huge and let the heel stand strong at the end of the show, as you brought up again. Yeah, I loved it, man. Loved it, loved it. It was great. And um, that's going to take us to the go-home show for TLC the next week. is SmackDown, December 11, 2009. Um, the show opens with a recap from the last two weeks and how Batista's just left Taker laying. You know, like, we, like we said, he's got the heel heat. He's got the advantage going into TLC uh, so far. So he opens the show with an in-ring promo, and he's like, you know, i got to get a couple things off my chest. You know, I did not asked for a match with Rey Mysterio tonight. And I want to go back to, I think it was two weeks ago after that fatal four-way when you talked about him turning heel on Ray and how he wasn't, he was just kind of matter-of-fact like, I'm going to take your head off. Like It's very Jake the Snake-esque, like calm, quiet. He doesn't have to yell and scream. And at this part in the in the promo, he's not having to scream and yell either, but it's effective. You can tell he's a heel. He's just matter-of-fact. Like, And I just really liked that. Uh that style and that approach he's taken to his promos. I mean, Batista's heel work here is awesome. He's, you know, it, it's something we've talked about here on the show. It's, it's not that far of a stretch for him to be doing this heel thing. Right. He, he's not like completely shifted no. his persona. He's just 
you know, tweaked it a little bit to emphasize mm-hmm. some of the heelish things. Like, you know, his his music, his theme has always been I Walk Alone. And so that's mm-hmm. he's always been kind of a renegade babyface, and now mm-hmm. he's just kind of turned it a little bit. Um, yep. you know, we've talked about other heels that are like, they turn heel and they completely Austin. become a different person. Yes, <laughs> Austin was the yeah. perfect example of that. And that's why Batista is so effective here is because exactly. he doesn't, He's not completely off the rails. It's just right. a little tweak to the other side. Exactly. That's a perfect way to put it. And, you know, he talks, he's like, you know, tonight I didn't ask for this match. You know, Ray demanded it. You know, since he says, since I started my campaign to reclaim the world heavyweight title, it seems like you people aren't very happy with me. You know, and he goes, but I don't care. Boo me all you want. This <laughs> is not about you. It's about me being who I was born to be, the world heavyweight champion. So he's like, you know, he goes through his past. He's like, you know, I don't. I don't. I didn't need evolution. Uh, I, I used them to get what I wanted, and I, I moved on. I don't need Rey Mysterio, you know. But he needed me as a big brother to watch his back. So I don't need any of the fans here. <clears throat> yeah, I said I hear you when you cheer me, or so, no, he said, I didn't hear you when you cheered me, and I don't hear you when you boo me. So then he does something just so heelish and perfect, man. He's like, you know, let me show you guys something. So he calls for a spotlight. And he just mm. would you please give me a spotlight. Get what I'm saying now? This is not about you. This is about me being in the spotlight where I deserve to be. You know, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. I'm here to win titles. Everything about me screams world heavyweight champion. Everything. He's like, look at me. And this is part where he gets a little bit louder. And, you know, he's talks about Taker. He's like, you know, you're not the dominant force. Everyone makes you out to be. You know, I've left you lying the last two weeks on your back. I've seen the fear in your eyes. You know, you're, you're afraid of me. And you, in my opinion, you've already lost. You know, me winning at TLC is just a formality because you've already lost. I've got the advantage. And, you know, you fans need to get used to the word world heavyweight champion Batista. So, I, dude, I just, I'm clapping like at home and watching. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, this guy is on fire right now because, you know what? This is not far from what allegedly was going on backstage as far as allegedly if you read the dirt sheets back then or go back and read like he was apparently a little disgruntled about his place on the card he was you know and he'd had some injuries or whatever but like he really and he decides to leave what after mania right shortly yeah after just mania, a few months after this just yeah. a few months after that he leaves for real for you know, four years you know so um it was you know and we always say like the best characters are the real life turned up whether it's a baby face or a heel like mm-hmm. so this is his real thoughts turned into a storyline which i think is pretty cool and again like i say he's not far off he is he screams world heavyweight champion we talked about that you know months ago on this podcast you know he's he is all that is man and chiseled out of granite you know but um looks like a champ carries himself like a champ and so you know i like the way they brought that real life stuff into the character and it really played into it here it's really really cool to see yeah and it's just it's it's good to have an effective heel back in the picture yeah again exactly you know someone you know some of the stuff with punk was good but it's different it's a different type of storyline than what you've Mm. got here with batista when someone you know actually can stand their ground with undertaker here and you know they kind of made punk look like a joke during a lot of that stuff too so it was a little bit harder to take him seriously you take batista very seriously here 
Absolutely. And Punk's going on a feud with like R Truth now. Like it's come on, man. So anyway, <clears throat> but later on the main event is Ray vs. Batista in that uh, street fight. And basically, this is a match that you do back in the territory days or NWA days. You just book the heel to get massive heat going into the pay-per-view. It's genius to me. And who better to get heat on your heel than have an underdog like Rey Mysterio? It always works. Still always works in 2020. Rey. Exactly. You know, <laughs> uh, Whether it's eyeballs in his head or not, I mean, Seth Rollins has got heel heat for what he's doing to Rey Mysterio. So it doesn't matter. But anyway... Um, he basically dismantles Ray, and then he just grabs a chair and goes for Batista bomb, and Ray fights out, and then Ray uses a chair, but Batista hits a spear, spine buster, CGE shot to the head, and then he covers him to win the match. Like, he doesn't even do his Batista bomb. He just hits him with a chair, pins him. Like, that's what I'm going to do to take her, you know? Then he grabs the chair and goes up to, like, pilmanize Ray's head in the chair or the neck, or he's put, put the chair around his neck, kind of go jump off the middle rope and pilmanize him, you know, but before he can jump, we hear the gong, hit the lights go out, and then the lights come back up, and of course, Taker's in the ring, and Mysterio's magically disappeared, and uh, Undertaker goes after Batista, but Batista escapes out the ring, and his music, Taker's music plays, and the flames erupt there, and Batista backs away, and Taker does a throat slash and eyes his opponent there, so again, Taker's standing tall in the ring, but Batista kind of got one up on him, he, he didn't let him attack him, he got out of the ring before he got the the you know the retribution on him so smart booking man it's it's, it's amazing how when you book a bunch of heat your baby face gets paid off it's just funny like i think i mentioned it a couple episodes ago and i or maybe i didn't but kevin nash was talking in an interview like he heals like a hot air balloon you got to book heat to make it rise and rise and rise make the storyline rising the hot air balloon gets higher and higher, higher and then finally you take the hot air out and it comes crashing down that's when the storyline you know you know, the babyface gets one over and, and it brings the heat the heat down. So that's a perfect analogy in my opinion. So I love that, man. I love that. And it's and it's working here. My my only question is, what happened to Rey Mysterio? Where'd he go? Uh, <laughs> he just disappeared. With, <clears throat> under the ring with Hornswoggle and Burn Troyer. <laughs> it's like when guys. It's like when Taker uh, took Jeff Hardy's place at SummerSlam this year. He just Jeff Hardy disappeared yeah. and Undertaker was in his place. <laughs> Let's take this beautiful balloon up in the air to TLC tables, ladders, and chairs. 2009, December 13th, 2009, the AT&T Center in San Antonio, Texas. And as we mentioned before, first time ever they had done this pay-per-view. And much like with the Hell in a Cell concept, this is one they're still doing 10 years mm-hmm. later, or 11 years later. So this is the rare pay-per-view concept that's stuck it's kind of it's weird to think about it that it's that has been around that long a lot longer than the other a lot of other pay-per-views that we've seen come and go a lot of concepts here and uh man how do you feel about this as a pay-per-view uh staple in the wwe i think the same way you and i feel about elimination chamber and hell in a cell it's like it's it's you shouldn't just have that match because it's that time of year you have that match when it makes sense you know, hell in, a, hell in a Cell should be used for the feud that needs it to, as a payoff. TLC should be used as a feud when you need it as a payoff. Suddenly, in December, November of every year, everybody starts using ladders, chairs, tables. Oh, everyone needs something suspended in the air to climb up. It's just like, it's so contrived and so, 
I don't know. It's just it takes all the believability out of it. That suddenly everybody has to rest on this crutch for all the storylines for the next six weeks till we build this pay per view. You know, or in this case, three weeks <laughs> between pay per views. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, it's you know I get it. It's a lot more marketable than a pay per view sure. full of submission matches or the bragging rights concept. I I totally understand why they do it. Yeah, and absolutely. you know you're usually guaranteed a couple fun matches with the ladders yeah. and TLC concept. But yeah, all the same criticisms you said. It just feels really shoehorned in. You know, it always. It, it, the December pay-per-views always kind of flop. It's like the the storylines. Maybe that's why they did it. I think so. Yeah, because I think they know fans don't really care as much during December. There's a lot more things going on, so let's just throw a bunch of gimmick matches on there. Maybe mm-hmm. some people will buy it for that. But and the main event of SummerSlam was TLC, right? Jeff Hardy and CM Punk. So like we had just seen one four months ago, you know. So it takes the it takes the specialness and uniqueness off of it the more you do it the more you water it down you know so um yeah i don't know that was a that match was perfect that made sense for that storyline but this is just like oh let's throw them all together like why does dx and jared show need a tlc match for tag titles like that doesn't make any sense not really no it's just there um but it does give birth to this infamous chairs match. You know, The Undertaker mm. been in a lot of first-time matches, and now he's going to be in the first-ever chairs match. And you listeners may be wondering, what the heck is a chairs match? And quite frankly, the announcers and the wrestlers, I think, are wondering that too, as we're going to see here in just a few minutes. Seems to be a lot of confusion as to what this is actually supposed to be. Yeah. Well, and it can only be made worse by a few years later when we're going to get the stairs match. So. Oh, exactly. It's going to lead <laughs> so to the infamous stairs match. Thankfully, we don't get, cover that. Yeah, thank God. Was that Rowan and uh, somebody? <laughs> Rowan and Big Show. As Big if, Show. Golly. Yeah. As if a singles match between them isn't bad <laughs> enough <laughs> to make it a stairs yeah. match. Yeah. Well cool thing with this you know this pay-per-view opens with highlights from previous tables ladders and chairs matches and ladder matches and tables matches but the first image we see in the whole entire video is taker giving edge the last ride to that table from that tlc match we covered on here which again forgotten jim that match is nuts we love it so and then it highlights the you know we actually do get a highlight for an ecw title match tonight the WWE title match, the world title match, and the unified tag title match. Those are your four big matches. I think the ECW one was what? Christian versus Shelton, Shelton Benjamin. Benjamin. New 24-7 champion, Shelton right. Benjamin, 11 years later. So I think that's how he's gone down. <laughs> hey, man. Match. He's hanging it's in there. Christian. <laughs> anyway. I'm glad but, he's doing something. Oh, yeah, man. He's in a, he's in a, uh, yeah, he's in a good spot on Raw now. Well, uh, and we've actually, it's nice, we got a, a somewhat different set here tonight after a yeah. few months of really boring sets. Uh, they've got all these tables, ladders, and chairs hanging from the ceiling here, so at least they're trying a little bit to give this a different look. Uh, this match is going to come on after the crowd is killed dead, after Sheamus uh, yeah. barely wins the world title, or the WWE title from John Cena. Uh, like I said, he slips on a banana peel and falls through a table here. So, good luck. Sheamus almost falls through on the outside. Too. So, 
I wish he had fallen through one on the outside and then he just had tat, a tie. <laughs> yeah, they just had to. Yeah. <laughs> totally screwed it Co- up. Co-champions. <laughs> Shames his career. Storyline. Well, his career could have been dead right there. That would have been nice. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> sure. But like I said, uh, we've got Cole, uh, Lawler, and Stryker on commentary here. Poor Todd Grisham has to sit this one out. Mm-hmm. But Tony Chimmel is the announcer for the match. And he says... The chair match, not chairs match, but the chair match. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this match can only be won by pinfall or submission. However, the use of chairs is legal. So, remember that, folks. You can only win by pinfall submission, but you can use chairs. Make sense? Got it. But I just wondered, like... How is this not just a no DQ match? Like, mm-hmm. what makes it a chairs match? Like, what what sets us apart as a chairs match? Well, Can we're you... gonna see. Yeah. <laughs> so Batista comes out first, and again, no pyro, and again, we get that cool set looking there. Was it the next year at TLC when uh, all those chairs fall on? Is it Cena? Cena I mean, uses it, them on uh, or, Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett, yeah. Pulls yeah, the was, chain, like fatality. Cool. Man. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, that was creative, year. yes. Yeah. Uh, do you mean but, the uh, the altered beast, Batista, as Matt Stryker says 800 dude, times? <laughs> he does, he works in the ground, but you know what? That was one of my favorite arcade games as a kid. Sure. I absolutely love that game, and it was only available on the Sega console as a kid, and our friend uh, from back in the day, he we used to rent it. I used to rent it at his house, Jonathan. We used to rent it a game and play it because I could only play it on Sega, and he had one. Altered Beast, fantastic game. Wish they'd make like a a new one, you know, like twenty five years later, but they're not. But yeah, he is hammering that into the ground, man. Altered Beast. The he's Altered really Beast trying Batista. to get it over, and it does not work. <laughs> no, he's the only one that he's says it. He's the only one who says it. <laughs> he's like the other friend you have that like tries to be cool with you. And you're like, ah, like well, who is this guy? <laughs> he keeps talking about Sammy Agar and <laughs> playing Altered Beast. He won't shut up. It's really, he's really living in the late 80s, man. <laughs> Showing his age. <laughs> oh, I don't even know where to go from there. Oh, So, yeah, Batista's in the ring. He's doing, you know... He, of course, Taker makes him wait like he's prone to do. But, you know, Batista doesn't look like you mean he doesn't look phased here. He's doing the Batista or the Brock Lesnar bounce back and forth and flexing his pecs like it's Chris Masters. Not to the Black Eyed Peas song, but he's, you know, making him hop oh, up and down man. there. But Too bad. <laughs> it's something. But um, once Taker does finally, you know, make his entrance, though, he gets a good pop from San Antonio, you know, because everything's bigger in Texas. Get a good old Texas sized pop. No but, doubt. um, and I love that he's got his black jacket open and the big old gold belt shining there. And, and Cole says that Batista has posed the biggest threat in Taker's entire 20-year career. So, we'll go with that. it. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> but, not quite know, true, but fine. it's close enough. But yeah. he is a menacing opponent. And he is That's right. on par you know, physically with, with Taker, so. Well, uh, these two guys, we get the championship-style introductions. Of course, uh, Undertaker's going to get some big cheers from that. And Michael Cole says, The feud with Taker took Batista from an also-ran to a champion to the place he is today. Yeah. Close enough, again. You know, he'd been champion a little bit before that, but uh, we'll mm-hmm. go with it. And then Cole, like I said, he's going to make it really confusing for us here. As he says... 
So again, this is a chairs match for the world championship. And there are some unique things about this match I think we should point out. Remember, chairs are legal to be used as a weapon. However, there can be disqualifications and countouts in this matchup if you use something else as a weapon, perhaps. Even though Tony <laughs> Chimmel just announced to the crowd, you can only win by pinfall or submission. So I'm glad everybody's right. on the same page. You can only win by pinball or submission or DQ or countdown. <laughs> so it's a so it's a match. It's a normal match, except you can use chairs. <laughs> only. Only. So, all, so keep yeah, that in mind, folks. Yeah. So a pin or submission will finish the match, is what Cole says. Yeah. You can use chairs are legal. There can be DQs and counts if you use something other than a chair. But a pin or submission will finish the match. <laughs> so will a DQ. So, so will a so, so Every match ever. <laughs> yeah, it's so stupid. So, well, the bell rings in Batista. Great heel move. And he immediately slides out and grabs a chair, you know, and slides in with it. And uh, Taker stomps on it, though. And then he slides out and Batista swings the other chair. And Taker actually just punches the chair straight into Batista. So mm. I love that. And Taker swings it at him and... Uh, but Batista hits Taker, and then Batista slides in the ring, and Taker winds up close on him. So we're really getting in the action pretty quick here from the beginning. We are, yeah. Undertaker sends Batista out of the ring again and uh, rams him into the stairs. So that should be disqualification, I guess. But no, yeah, I, stairs will be legal in this match too, I guess. Uh, Undertaker grabs a chair again. Uh, Batista blocks it. And uh, Matt Stryker. Gonna point it out a few times in here, man. He is just—he's off the rails. Um, he says that Undertaker's been in hell in a cell. He's been in elimination chamber, inferno matches. Perhaps none more dangerous than this chairs match. <laughs> what? What is he talking about? You literally light your opponent on fire in an inferno match. Oh no, I'll take that, that over a chair shot. <laughs> What is he talking about? What is he talking about? How are any of those three more dangerous in a chair match? I don't get it. So Reminds I mean, me of when uh, Michael Cole was talking about Undertaker and Boss Man getting their fingers stuck inside the hell of a cell. Back in the <laughs> well, that's not the only stupid thing Matt Schreiger says right about here because he also said something. And I skipped over this a couple weeks ago. He said it on some episode of SmackDown. But here at Pizza here, I've... Skipped over it on purpose, but once he repeated it here, I was like, I got to say this. So he says that. I mean, it may sound silly, but Batista's protein intake is obviously more than The Undertaker's. Batista's bones are more dense. That means a chair shot to Batista may not have the same effect that it would to The Undertaker. What if The Undertaker drinks more milk? Does that mean? Well, like an Undertaker continuing to try to get back in this thing against the animal Batista. What are you guys talking about? And then, and then like. <laughs> 11 seconds later, King just goes, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> he took the words right out of my mouth. Like, I love it because they're all just calling each other out. For yes, real. they're it's all so real. really annoyed with Matt Stryker. And they're just <laughs> not letting him. talking about? <laughs> He's so over the top. This is it's like, like the an beginning. improv when you don't say yes and. You just yes, say no. Like, you just stop the person and say no. They are not on the same page. This is like the beginning of the era. It, it feels like now where the commentary just doesn't take things seriously. Like they're just, yeah. they're more 
about bickering with each other than they are about mm-hmm. trying to get people over and call the match in the ring. And this is sort yeah. of where this all begins, I think. Yeah. Well, back to the match at hand. Uh, they're on ringside, and Taker tosses a chair into the ring, and Batista slams Taker's back into the apron, and then Irish whips him, but Taker reverses it, and Batista winds up spilling over the barricade into that timekeeper area. Taker's going to toss another chair in the ring, and then he's going to go for that move in the, on the barricade. But, of course, man, as we know, we've been following it along with us for 150-whatever episodes. He's going to crotch himself on the barricade. He cannot ever seem to hit that big boot. So he can't help himself, himself. In the barricade there. No, he can't help it. He's like Charlie Brown kicking the football, man. He's got to exactly. go for that running big boot. Uh, well, Batista grabs a chair out of the crowd and nails Taker in the leg and chokes Undertaker with the chair. And King and Cole point out that these guys need to get in the ring because they might get counted out. But then they have to say, well, I guess the ref's actually not counting. He's just he's using that championship discretion here because <laughs> – no one is on the same page about the rules of this match. Exactly. It's so bad. Oh, it's so bad. I, I can't stand it, man. I know, man. I can't stand it either. It's awful. Because they're like, well, I guess he's not <laughs> going to count him out. How do they not all talk about this stuff and know what's going on? Don't they have, like, production meetings and stuff before? Seriously. Um, anyway, well, Batista's going to swing a chair at Taker, but he ducks and Batista hits the ring post and... Taker puts uh, Big Dave on the apron, hits a leg drop, and then I think at some point in here, um, I think Cole says it's like taking a metal bat and hitting a baseball with it. I don't know. It's like it makes your hand sting or something. They're just they're trying to. It's just in my opinion, just shut up. But but it's about to get good right here because Taker, you know, does that the apron leg drop, and then Michael Cole says, you know, vintage Undertaker. And then immediately after that, they're in the ring, and Taker works over the shoulder, goes up for old school, and then King just cuts him off. He goes, well, you've already used your vintage Undertaker line. So I'm just like, <laughs> yes, yes. They're just going at it, man. Straight for the jugular. They just don't care tonight, man. No. <laughs> just dishing into each other. Yeah. It's hilarious. Like, what are you going to say? You've already used that line. <laughs> Well, much like we've seen in a lot of other Undertaker matches, Batista's going to catch Undertaker on this old-school attempt, crotch him on that, and hit the superplex. Gets a cover for a two-count. Batista goes for a Batista bomb on the chair in the ring, but Taker flips him over, and Batista falls back first onto the chair. So back and forth, both guys kind of struggle up. They're throwing hands with each other. The crowd's going, yeah, boo. Uh, Batista is able to nail a spine buster and get a two count off of that. Yeah, then he's going to take a chair and kind of wedge it in between the top and the middle rope over the turnbuckle. So we've seen that countless times in other matches. But he's going to use it here, set it up there, and just kind of give you a little tease, and it's going to come into play later on. So he punches Taker, Taker ducks a clothesline, hits a running diving clothesline of his own, and then Taker sits up and sees the chair sitting there in the ropes. So he notices it, and then he goes for arm wrench, hits old school, hits snake eyes, hits a big boot attempt. But Batista actually is going to counter this big boot, interrupt the moves of doom here, and and cut Taker off with a spear. So you don't often see that. You know, you usually see Taker hit all those moves in succession, you know, snake eyes, big boot, leg drop. But, you know, Batista cuts him off, and I I really like that. 
Batista gets a two count off of that, hits a spine buster on Undertaker on the chair, but then he wastes a little too much time doing that Ultimate Warrior rope shake, and Undertaker is able to recover and lock in the Hell's Gate submission. Uh, Batista starts fading away, but he struggles over and he's able to get to the ropes, which really shouldn't matter if this match is no DQ, but it's not no DQ, so... Even though they said it was no yeah. DQ, so he does break the ropes here. And, right. Uh, I'm just shaking my head as this is going on. Yeah. And as he rolls out of the ring, Batista is, uh, Master Tucker calls Taker a master of the submission arts, mm. which I don't know that anyone's ever called him a master of submission. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. It was just, it stood out to me like a master of submission arts. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was worth noting to me, but. Batista's gonna he, he gets a chair and he actually goes around to the other side of the ring on the apron, like on the hard cam like on the side opposite the hard cam. Taker goes over there to grab him and Batista just nails him in the gut with it. Batista gets in the ring, charges at Taker who moves, and Batista winds up going head first into his own weapon he wedged in the corner. He hits that chair that he set up. So nice little you know, they planted the seat a few minutes ago and it pays off here and then Taker's gonna hit a clothesline and then as he's going to cover Batista, Matt Stryker again. Here comes the poltergeist, the minister of the night. So just, just brainstormed a hundred nicknames trying to get them all in there, man. <laughs> oh man. The minister of the night. <laughs> yeah, he said that last week and it was just like, seriously? But the poltergeist really got me on this one, man. He's just going is that eighties or seventies? I don't remember. That's eighties. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Well, he's living in the '80s then. Uh, absolutely, man. Being altered these uh, <laughs> guys is Van Hagar. Undertaker signals for a choke slam, connects with that, gets a two count, throat slash, attempts the tombstone, but Batista slides out and shoves Undertaker into Charles Robinson in the corner, and he nails a low blow behind the referee's back. And again, I'm sitting here watching this like it's no DQ. Why does it matter if you hit him a little blow behind his back? But, again, even though they said it was no DQ, it's not actually no DQ. So Batista hits a chair shot to the head of the Undertaker, pins him. One, two, three. Batista wins. Wins and is announced as the new World Heavyweight Champion. And that is not how I remember this match ending. No, 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 no. We hear Teddy Long come out and saying that. No, 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 no. But yeah, you're right. I did not remember that happening at all here. But Teddy is going to come and possibly right a wrong that he had uh, done to Taker. So he comes out and says, there is no need to celebrate. You know, the use of chairs is legal, but a blatant foul is not. But again, it's a no DQ. <laughs> Are there fouls <laughs> in wrestling? Or is this football? Yeah, red soccer. Yeah, I don't now? know. I don't know, man. So... He says that he is not going to allow the world title to change hands after a low, cheap, despicable act. Not tonight, playa. Four months ago? Sure. Not tonight, playa. Sure. He didn't say that, but I'm thinking that, like, following his character arc. Uh, but, you know, and he orders this match to be restarted. So, Batista, he's, he's kind of in the rampway at this point. He's got the title in one hand and the chair in the other, and he runs back into the ring, and Taker sits up as he gets in there, and Taker boots that chair that Batista has right into his face. And he's going to hit him in the back, and then Taker gets him up for a tombstone. One, two, three. That's the finish. Undertaker retains the title right there after the screwy restart here. 
so dumb, man. What a silly story. Just kind of a dumb <clears throat> match, in my opinion. I was hoping for a lot more out of these two guys. They've had some of the best matches we've covered yeah. uh, in the past couple years. And it wasn't awful. It didn't suck, but it was just Mm-mm. really hampered by this stipulation and trying. They're trying to figure out what a chairs match is and how to use that psychology in here. And it's just really weakens what if they could have just let them have a no DQ match, man. And yeah. let they, they happen to use chairs in this no DQ match a lot. Just do mm-hmm. something like that rather than having to try to build it around this silly stipulation. Yeah. And why didn't the tombstone happen on a chair? I mean, mm. come on. Missed opportunity. Why did, why did he not boot him on the chair or boot the chair in his face and then the, the chair falls on the ground, tombstone on the chair? <clears throat> Just like we missed opportunity was Hell's Gate and Hell in a Cell, too, like you pointed out. Like, come on, man. It's not that hard to make these things <clears throat> fit together. But anyway, Batista's on his back. You know, Cole, Striker, and King are kind of discussing what just happened. And. My striker, you know, as Taker is posing up at the top of the rampway and, you know, with the smoke there and the flames, and he looks over his shoulder and holds the title up. To, my striker says, you know, perhaps Teddy is trying to right some wrongs he's performed in the past against The Undertaker. So who knows? Is Matt Striker the voice of reason here? <laughs> Bringing some. Well, then he's kind of he's kind of trying to be a heel, too, because exactly. he says, well, Teddy Long, I don't know what he's doing out here. He He's either the general manager or he's an official. He exactly. can't be. Yeah. He can't be both. And Michael Cole says, yes, he's the general manager. He restarted the match. He's allowed to do that. Yep. <laughs> you moron. He didn't say yep. that, but he basically, right. he might as well have added that. So one more annoyance with Matt Stryker here. Uh, yeah. But I did really, I liked Batista after the match because he just, yeah. he walks out of the ring and he just sits down on one of the folding chairs on the outside mm-hmm. and takes a little breather and. Uh, raises his fist in the air. <laughs> he raises his hand in the air. He's yelling at the fans like, "I don't need you. I don't need these. Yeah. I don't need you people." Uh, so he's still being a heel uh, throughout all this. And he actually goes and has a little segment with Teddy Long later in the night, threatening him to beat him up with a chair if Teddy doesn't go and make this right on the next episode of SmackDown. So we'll get to that on next week's episode of the podcast. I mean, how would you rate this match? Um. Definitely my least favorite of their pay-per-view outings, I'd say for sure. But it was nice to have a heel Batista, I'll say. A full heel Batista. So, um, But yeah, just watch it for the sake of watching all their matches, but don't, don't, don't get too hyped <laughs> for it. If you could redo this as either a tables match, a ladders match, or a TLC match rather than a chairs match, or a stairs match, if you want to do that. Uh, which would you pick to try to make this a little bit better? I probably would have done a tables match for these two. I don't know that these two need to be climbing ladders and hitting mm-hmm. moves off the ladders and stuff. And I wouldn't have done TLC because, again, same thing. I think that they could have done just a tables match. would have been would have been better, in my opinion. Okay. Or just no DQ, like you said. What do you think? You'd have gone TLC? Man, like, maybe make the chairs match, like, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Maybe maybe like a chairs on a pole. Like that's it's something something for Bro. them to do. Bro. <laughs> Bro. of the week, man. Yeah. Uh, even that I think would have been better than this. Is it DQ? Is it no DQ? What are we using the chairs for? Like, I don't know. Man. Yeah. There's, there's got to be a better way to do this. Or uh, 
like our backyard match, table for four. You gotta Absolutely. sit your opponent in each in one chair in each corner of the ring. Yes. Like a strap it's match. Great. Classic. So good. So good. Well, we'd love to hear from y'all. How would you improve this match? What did you think of it? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You know that we always love to hear your opinions on it. Uh, we actually did get a uh, couple comments from some of you folks out there about this match. As I pull it up here, uh, Zach at ZachL217 said, This was the first pay-per-view I got my aunt and uncle to buy for me. Had to do a lot of chores, but it paid off. And he said, With this match and the return of DX, it was well worth it. So, Zach liked it, yeah. Liked it a little more than we did. (laughs) I gotta say, Zach's probably younger than us. And, uh, Probably, yeah. I hadn't really seen a lot of the Taker stuff. But yeah, no, absolutely, man. Anytime you get a pay-per-view, that's cool. I never, as a kid growing up, I never ever got a pay-per-view. I didn't get my first pay-per-view till what, 2005 or six, when we I was in an apartment, you know, with my roommate, and you guys came over and watched it. Like, that was my first one. So I was 20 years old before I got my first pay-per-view. So if I was a kid, yeah, I'd love to have gotten one. So. You know, it is it is a spectacle. At least you get tables matches, ladder match, chairs match, DX, chair show, Taker, Batista. I can see that, but um, yeah, still not my favorite stuff. You always remember your first pay per view. Mine was WrestleMania Nine, first one I ever ordered. Even though it sucks, it still uh, still makes me happy just thinking about it. <laughs> it <feels> yeah, terrible. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we appreciate you guys. Anybody else got comments about this? Uh, of course, you know where to hit us up, like we said, at Talking Taker, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we will keep this podcast rolling, rolling, rolling on to The Undertaker's Last Ride as we move into a new year next year. We are heading into 2010. Uh, this was the final match of 2009. We'll head into 2010 next week. Kind of bittersweet as it will be really the last truly active year of the Undertaker's career, mm-hmm. where he's really working um, close to a full schedule here, hitting all the Raws and SmackDowns throughout most of the year. Um, got a lot of exciting stuff to hit next year, including, of course, that WrestleMania rematch with Shawn Michaels. Uh, yeah. Big renewed rivalry with Kane. A lot of gimmick matches. Hell in a Cell buried alive with Kane. Um, a really a. a Fire elimination match uh, that we'll see the Undertaker in, and uh, yeah, man, <laughs> I dare you to tell me to walk through fire. Bingo! <laughs> and then, of course, we'll kick it off next week with Royal Rumble 2010: Undertaker versus Rey Mysterio in their lone pay-per-view singles match. I'm excited to cover that one next week. And uh, yeah, speaking of the last ride. Uh, we actually got a new bonus episode of the Last Ride series, kind of out of nowhere, on the WWE Network this past week, uh, called Tales from the Dead Man. Uh, some funny, sort of deleted scenes mixed in with some animation, uh, behind the scenes, ribs, and stories from The Undertaker. Uh, nothing really substantial like the rest of the Last Ride series, but as far as just 20 minutes of entertainment. Uh, I loved it, man. I, you could have given me, you could make this a weekly special, and, and I'd, yeah. I'd be down for it. Tales from the Dead Man should be a weekly episode uh, thing, weekly show. 
So um, I have not actually had a chance to finish the whole episode, but I've gotten through about half of it. And my favorite thing so far was him and Godfather fighting over the hat. That seems <laughs> so, to be everybody's favorite. It's so good because it's so stupid. Well, I yeah. can see it happening and just picture it. It's just, oh, it's so funny. So, and then Godfather got a win over him because he, you know, he got the, the rare win. Yeah, he got his hat. <laughs> Gave him the hat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so definitely go check that out, folks, uh, if you haven't yet. We're not going to devote an episode to it like we did, you know, all the other Last Ride episodes. But it's a fun bonus, especially for all you creatures of the night out there. Uh, and another, well, follow-up and then a bonus thing I got to mention here. Our buddy Mike Prue. Uh, from the bottom line cast sent me a surprise package in the mail that I got yesterday Uh, I had no idea it was coming I had no idea what it was gonna be I don't know if you see that Travis the uh, Ghostbusters Undertaker figure awesome clear purple with the neon green Old school winged eagle belt. Man, this thing is amazing. I've seen it online. I'd never seen it in the stores. Very collectible. Yeah, me neither. Uh, thank you so much, Mike, uh, from the Bottom Line cast. What a great gift. Awesome, man. That's awesome. That looks great. That title looks like 24-7 winged eagle. It does. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what it looks like. It's the same colors on it. No, that's a cool cool figure, man. I like that. The, you know, the clear. Uh, purple stuff is really really neat very yeah unique. I've, I've never seen that one in the store i've only seen it online yeah very collectible very unique i greatly appreciate it adding it to the talking taker figure collection thank you mike of course you can go support mike and jv the bottom line wrestling cast uh, on all your different podcasting apps they are what? right in the middle of what all your podcasting apps stitcher what youtube what? Podbean. What? Apple. What? Google Play. What? Spotify. What? That's all I got. <laughs> uh, they are talking WrestleMania 17. They just did a watch along for that big classic with Austin and Rock. So, uh, Godspeed. They're about to go through the invasion yep. here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's some fun stuff in there. And then real quick, I got to follow up on this, man. Last week on the show, I I shared with you guys a live eBay auction that I lost in the middle of the recording for a vintage 1991-92 Undertaker trucker hat. You see them in the audience. You go back and watch those old Superstars episodes. There's always a kid Mm -hmm. or a dad uh, with a denim tank top and one of these Undertaker (laughs) hats on. (laughs) Some gigantic glasses, a mullet. (laughs) Um, Mustache. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I was winning it. It was at like $25. And then the last couple minutes of the auction, it shoots up to $89. And um, we were couldn't believe it. You were saying, Travis, I can't believe anyone would spend that kind of money on a hat. <laughs> yeah, I um, so I posted about it on Twitter the next day, saying congratulations to whoever got this hat. Um, actually, like I said, pretty pretty good deal for what that hat usually runs for, sure. but not quite the deal I was looking for. 
And who could it have been but one of our listeners, Travis? And not just any listener, our main man, Randy Turco, at Pokey's Little Dog. We mention him almost every week. He's a loyal listener. He's always commenting. He is probably the biggest Undertaker fan that we have ever come into contact with. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's the one who outbids me and win this, wins this hat. He had no idea. I had no idea. We were both going in on yeah, it. Dude. Couldn't be any more perfect. And if it can't be me winning it, I wouldn't have anybody else winning it since safe hands with Turco. Absolutely. Dude, you cannot write a better story <laughs> than that. It is amazing to me. There are, what, seven and a half billion people on this planet, and not all of them are big on that hat. I'm just saying, like... Yeah, you get a lot of bids on that hat, and the two like you were bidding on it, and then Turco, a guy that we like know and like have a relationship because of his podcast, but like it is, it is insane to me. Like, and it, it, the, the way he like revealed it to you of the whole the Vince gif of it was me all along, Alex. Like, that was <laughs> perfect. But like you guys, like you hadn't talked about it before, and no. it was just no he won it, and it's dude, it was just so amazing, and like you said. If, if if even if you'd have won that hat, and if he told us he was bidding on it too, I would have given you the money to send to, to pay for it. Yeah. To like, he deserved that hat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bidding on it as well. Like that sure. was that was awesome. We are glad that that hat is in safe hands and on a safe head. So yes, congratulations, Randy. You're the better man. Until we meet again on the eBay <laughs> auction block, I'm sure there'll be other items uh, we're scoping out at the same time. But yeah, he's one and zero on you. Know? He's one and zero, man. Now I got. I, Hopefully the streak uh, does not live on forever. But uh, <laughs> the eBay streak. He's already got that one, so I'll, maybe he won't be hurt hunting for the next hat. I can yeah. <laughs> I can rest easy. But uh, yeah, man, uh, perfect, perfect follow up for that. Oh, so good, I man! Just so poetic. And the, again, those of you other Laurel listeners that have heard us talk about him, you know he's a he's a part of the show, like some of the other guys we talk about a lot. So yeah, it's really really funny that that happened. And I was telling my wife about it. And, she knows Randy from the story of him and his first slash non-first date at B-dubs <laughs> with his wife. And uh, that's right. she was like, I cannot believe that that's the guy that got the alley. It's so funny to her, too. So <laughs> anyway, if you were there at San Antonio at the AT&T Center on December 13th, uh, you know, in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, you're just spending some of that money on or taking your family out to, for early Christmas here at TLC. Let us know. Let us know what you thought about you know, this whole night, you know, getting a bunch of, you know, unique matches and, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff thrown at you, uh, a lot of cool, unique uh, uh, gimmick matches here. But let us know what you thought about this first ever chairs slash chair match slash whatever it's supposed to be. Who knows what the rules are? <laughs> but anyway, let us know what you thought about this if you were there. And other than that, ladies and gentlemen, take her easy. No, sir, man. I don't like that crap. I'm a rocker, dude, through and through. Here's my favorite bands. ACDC, Van Halen, not Van Hagar, Skinner, Def Lab. All right, I want you to settle down. Don't make me call your probie officer here.